0: welcome to the toasted sister podcast radio about native american food i'm andy murphy My guest today is Chef Shane Medrick Chartrand, he's Enoch Cree from the Enoch Cree Nation located in Alberta, Canada. He is getting ready to open a new restaurant at the River Cree Resort and Casino called SC Restaurant, and he's also working on a cookbook called Marrow: Progressive Indigenous Cuisine. We'll talk more about those projects, but we'll also talk about his style and why he likes competition in the kitchen. So uh, first thing I want to start off with is um, SC Restaurant. Can you tell me about that and what does SC stand for? I think it's kind of obvious here, right?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, SC is the name of obviously my initials, which is the name of the restaurant. And uh, um, the Enoch Cree Nation, where I'm from, uh, got the idea of, you know, wrapping my name around the restaurant as an honor to the things that I've done in the past five years for that restaurant and for the community. And uh, because I do a lot of stuff with the indigenous communities all over Canada, it was, uh, it was a nice gesture on their part.
0: All right. So I know you are uh, busy, like, designing uh, in your Instagram stories. There's a lot of um, updates about, you know, you just put t- TVs up a while ago. Uh, looks like the bar <laughs> is getting finished. Uh, there's these big uh, posters and pictures on the wall. Uh, tell me about how, how far you are along and, and when are you guys going to open?
1: So our official open day is going to be on the 12th. We're only about a week and a half behind. We were going to open this coming Monday, but uh, it just looks like we're just one week behind. And that's just because the furniture, um, the guy that made the furniture or the company that made the furniture was behind, and they couldn't totally tell us when it was going to be completed. And we made the, the conscious decision on not opening it up without everything being 100%. That's all.
0: Uh, Since this is a podcast, uh, you know, this is radio, just give me a a walkthrough of what it looks like now, like some of the designs and some of the, uh, you know, designing decisions that you guys have uh, made and implemented so far.
1: So when it comes to the design, I had nothing to do with the design. It's very interesting because the lady, the girl that uh, was in charge of the design, she uh, basically just kind of looked at me, asked me some questions, what do I like? What are, you know, what, are the, what, what are my hobbies? Kind of things like that. Um, I know this kind of sounds a bit cliche, but they did really want to wrap around my personal look. So, um, you know, I ride a Harley. I have tattoos. I like to cook. Uh, so they kind of wrap the whole place around my style, which actually is very interesting because my style, the things that I enjoy in life are the exact opposite most of the time. So I love roses. I love flowers. I like Harleys. Two different spectrums all together, and the restaurant looks just like that. So we got this beautiful dark ocean blue wallpaper to, like, jet matte black wallpaper to um, big giant black and gray posters of me holding butcher's knives and beets from a garden, kind of stuff like that. And then um, if you look around, everything's quite soft. The light, it's very dark. But it's also very bright with the style of furniture we have. So we went with butcher's block tabletops versus before it was linen and very, very uh, before our restaurant was very hotel lobby lounge looking. And now we're right up to date, if not ahead.
0: Tell me a little bit about the menu and um, how does that compare to the menu that was there before?
1: So the menu now is very casual, but not casual to the point of just being simple food. Everything that we've done with my sous chef and my team and my managers, we've really tried to curate a, an energy where people can find food that's recognizable. So what I mean by that is before, some of my food would be confit, it would be French, it would have some Italian inspirations, indigenous inspirations. But then when you wrap things around that kind of uh, culinary community, and end up using words that people don't always recognize for the most part, so steak tartare, bison tartare, Compressions, just things like that that people don't quite or people don't always know, which makes it intimidating for anybody to want to eat. Most people nowadays in the food world, are getting to understand food a lot, a lot more now than ever before. But still, we had we had linen in there, duck confit, which is a very French dish, and stuff like that. And I don't know, it, it was nice to do, but a little bit stuffy. And you know what, my style is to make a room that's fun, that's beautiful, that has delicious food and everybody feels comfortable going there. Plus, it still does have kind of a high-end feel. So some of the stuff that we have on the menu is, you know, your bannock flatbread, which I don't think I've heard of anyone doing that. Maybe with some of the indigenous um, cafes over in Vancouver, I think they got a bannock flatbread. Things like pasta, some really nice salads, and what's oh, called an old school Cobb salad. So we've taken old ideas and made them new again. We got a burger called a hot and cold burger and that's basically wrapping around sriracha and cucumbers. Um, we get a ceviche mussels that you open up in a tin can at your table that we do ourselves. So a lot of fun, play with your, play with your food kind of stuff.
0: I asked you this maybe a little bit uh, a while ago about um, incorporating some indigenous foods. Uh, so, so you mentioned bannock, uh, that, that's an indigenous food. Are there any other uh, maybe ingredients or, or dishes that, that are indigenous that are going to be on the menu?
1: Yeah, I wanted to put a couple of staples on there so when people came, they could have them and try them. So one of them is a, a meatloaf that has three meats. It's got a ground chuck bear on the flour pork and bison. We also have a bison brisket. Other than that, though, a lot of our ingredients are locally sourced. So, you know, our frique, our red fife wheat berry, our quinoa, our mushrooms, and all that stuff come from, uh, from local companies and farms. Okay.
0: So if, uh, I know you're talking about it's casual, but a little bit upscale. I mean, if, if I were to come and visit, you know, what should uh, I be wearing? Or what should, you know, the, the, the party be wearing when we go there?
1: So it's super casual. Like I said, it, there's no dress code. I don't think the casino's going to let you in with no shirt on. Yeah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> the, uh, the clothes that everyone wears, it's just casual. It's just super casual. If I was to put in any kind of content for you... Mm-hmm. Um, if I was to pick a chain restaurant that everyone would maybe know, it'd be like the Cactus Club or something like that, where it's just a really fun, laid-back environment. Um, if I was to pick a place in Las Vegas, probably STK Steakhouse. Um, you know, like just places like that. We're not a steakhouse though, but um, it is that, it is that kind of chill vibe, and it's just meant to be. Also, going to sound really silly because this has been overused. Mm-hmm. It's a sexy restaurant. It's an edgy restaurant. I mean, mm. you got you got. Posters of me that are nine feet tall with me holding <laughs> knives and tattoos everywhere and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it does have an edgy feel, but it's got a, it's got a pretty cool feel to it, too.
0: Awesome. Yeah, that, that's sometimes like my gauge when I'm going to a restaurant is um, uh, I'll drive by and if if there's a good, if, if I can see inside the restaurant, I look at what people are wearing uh, to, to kind of gauge, yeah. you know, what I should be wearing and kind of like what I can expect from the menu too. I mean, if there's, you know, people in their Sunday dresses and, um, you know, a guy's wearing a coat or a suit or something like that, then, you know, I know I have to, uh, you know, it's maybe a little more on the expensive side, a little more on the upscale side, but if somebody's just there like flip-flops and, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know shorts course. and stuff like that, then I know it's like maybe more fun, a more fun menu, a uh, more friendly menu. So <laughs> that's kind of my gauge on this side.
1: Yeah, so the thing about us is because we're in a resort, we're in a casino resort, mm. we get all walks of life, right? And that's just something else we have to think about because if we're going to be a fine-dine restaurant in a casino, most of the city a lot of the people aren't exactly to want to go into the casino to get to the restaurant. So that's a bit of a deterrent right there. And, you know, we're not looking good in that scenario at all. So all we got to do is try to, you know, make food that's good enough for the guests of the casino. So ultimately, at the end of the day, we know uh, we want to make the people from the casino the happiest guests all the time. But we do want to draw the city to get in there too, right? So getting, getting things a little more casual just makes a lot of sense on a business scale. Okay.
0: Uh, so so you mentioned the casino wanted to sort of honor the work that you've been doing in the last uh, couple of years, and I know, uh, you know, the last couple of years have, uh, included a couple of medals and awards and stuff like that. Uh, um, uh, brag about yourself a little bit. Uh, talk about some of the the things that uh, the casino was honoring.
1: All right. Well, I'm gonna brag about myself then. I yeah. like long walks on the beach. I'm an Aries. <laughs> All right. Okay. So. Um, I was in a competition called Gold Medal Plates. I won gold this year. Um, the reason why it was so exciting is because not only did we, we win gold, but we won the record from silver to gold in Gold Medal Plates history. So we were way we were way above everybody else. Um, just walking into that, when we went to the finals. We did really well as well. But you know there were some serious issues. Like our food showed up smashed at the airport. Um there's a lot of things going against us, but it was uh but we did really well. Uh, I take none of it back. It was a great experience. I've won other awards, like I've won an indigenous role models award. yeah, I mean, I'm gold medal plate, so all the years I've done it, I've won two bronze, one silver, and a gold. You know that's a big accomplishment. A lot of people can't even win a silver, and they've been in it five or six years in a row and then they gave up It's not easy it's It's really, really not easy to dream something up and really produce it to make it better than nine other chefs that are the best in each city, right? And so the way that works is when we go to Kelowna where the finals is, it's the ten chefs in Canada that one goal that we compete against. That's a big deal.
0: Wow. wow. Yeah, that sounds like a big deal. I mean, uh, you know, you're saying that you had to fly in some food and it sounds like this, you know, huge competition that that allows uh, for all kinds of, you know, different ingredients and and sounds like it's not one of those ones that's like, oh, you got 30 minutes to make, you know, something out of marshmallows. (laughs) Yeah, um, well,
1: I'm not sure if we talked about it or not, but I was on Chopped Canada and I came in second and that obviously, you know, you're on a, a you're on a massive time restraint, you're on TV, you're in a studio, you're stressed out. There's just so many things that can go wrong on Shop Canada. This one is a competition where you can pick any ingredient you want. You can make anything you want. It took me six months to prepare for this competition.
0: Mm. Yeah, totally different it's than you
1: Shop You've got to put the time in, though. Like Everyone knows if you want to win, you got to put the time in. And everybody that I know who's won gold medal plates, has put the time in, for sure.
0: Mm. So, so what was the, the one dish or ingredient that really um, you know pushed you into that, that gold status there?
1: Well, I can't explain it. I can't explain the process of how I made the dish, but I can tell you the name of the dish. Okay. It's called the Effect of Red. It was a pheasant compression with an uh, uh, Okanagan cherry sauce. Um, I had foie gras that was red marbled. So the idea was a monochromatic dish where like 90% of the dish was red. Um, really striking um and that 's kind of like I said with my style, I like things that are pretty and I like things that are mean um so I wanted to make my dish look both elements, and it did it looked it looked very Halloween and it looked very um very beautiful so that's kind of what I wanted to do is do something that would really blow people's minds in presentation, and that is and flavor of course that's the number one it, the I think you got like forty points just for flavor alone, so you don't have a whole lot left with everything else.
0: Awesome, all right. What draws you to uh, competitions?
1: Competitions make me a better person. Mm. When I lose, I don't lose well. So I have to make sure that every time I compete and I don't do well or I don't place, I have to be okay with it. And let's say eight years ago, that would not be the case. Eight years ago, I'm the guy kicking everything in sight, pissed off, mad. Um, now I'm like, ah, oh, that's the name of the game, right? Competition is, competition is, uh, you know, better in my heart now than ever before.
0: What, what kind of advice would you give to uh, a chef who's maybe entering their, their first competition?
1: If someone is gonna enter their very first competition, depending on how old they are, that doesn't always matter. But um, when they're, if they're young, you know, don't worry about winning or placing. Just worry about how well you did and learn from yourself. People that are a little older, um, you know, if, when I mean older, I'd say, you know, if they've been cooking for 10 years, that's still very relatively young in the culinary world to cook for 10 years. You know, if you're a little older, you've been doing a little bit a, a little bit longer, you got to really seriously look at yourself. Look at what you've done wrong. Don't just assume yours is the best, because that's, that happens all the time, like, I can't believe I lost, like, I can't believe so-and-so won or so-and-so won, but we never tried their dish. We didn't know their angle. We didn't know where they were headed. So at the end of the day, if you're a little older, you know, think about what you've done and be honest with yourself. That's the most important thing. And also, to be honest, no, the most important thing is to walk out of competition learning something. Whatever that one thing is, whether it's 10, whether it's just learning about yourself or how competition is, that's, that's the most important thing.
0: Uh, so I want to um, also move on to something that you are uh, getting ready to release or, or wrap up pretty soon, too. Uh, that's the marrow cookbook, uh, marrow yes. uh, Progressive Indigenous Cuisine. Uh, tell me a little bit about that, and uh, when do you think we can uh, expect to see that?
1: So the book will be out next spring. Um, the book is uh, with a good friend of mine who's the writer, and really, like I said, really good friend, Jennifer Cockrell King. She's written a bunch of her own books. She works for, uh, um, she does a lot of events in the Okanagan. Um, I've known her for a long time. Julie Van Rosendahl kind of jumped in on, a, uh, on Team Merrow, we call it. With all the people that are helping out, we call it Team Merrow. She came in to give us some advice on um, our photographer who's doing all the food styling Catherine Sprague, she's a photographer. She also is the girl who put the pictures in SC Restaurant. So she got hired on for that. Um, our, um, we were hired by House of Nancy, who's our publishing company, who does not do a lot of cookbooks, but they're very highly respected in the country of Canada as being one of the best here.
0: Okay. You know, well, I guess the title explains itself. Uh, indigenous cuisine, but what what do you mean by like progressive? Is that uh, something something different? Or explain that.
1: No, it's a good question. Uh, you know, it's it's, a, it's actually an excellent question because people think progressive means high end or uh, just really high end culinary or 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 molecular you know molecular food or whatever. But it's none of that. Progressive just means ever changing the culinary world in any world is always ever changing but the indigenous world is ever changing for me because i travel from nation to nation to nation learning about their food symposium food reverence food programs culinary arts stories documents not just about food but about their lives about their spirituality about their about their nation and so i env- i envelope all that information into my food which creates menus which creates recipes, which is exactly what the book has. So all those recipes in the book are not necessarily just inspired by me. Let's say the Pekani Nation inspired me when I was down there. The Siksika Nation inspired me. The Haida inspired me. You get what I'm saying? So as I travel Mm -hmm. to all these nations and do all these events, culinary events, whatever, I try to grab those information bundles and envelope it and kind of fold it into my food and my recipes. This is not just a cookbook where you're going to open it up and see 100 recipes. You're going to open this cookbook up. It's going to be big. It's going to have maybe 60 recipes, and it's going to have lots of stories about the community, stories about chefs, stories about my own staff, my family, my adopted family, my nation, um, stories about when I was up in the Yukon cooking, stories about me in Vancouver cooking, Toronto. Very community-based, very Canadian.
0: All right. And on social media, I saw that you got a tattoo and uh, you, you said that it was for the cookbook. What does that mean? And where's that tattoo going to be uh, featured in the cookbook?
1: Well, it's not for the cookbook. I've got enough tattoos that are going to be in it. <laughs> right. This is a tattoo that's been left for about a year
0: mm. that I never
1: finished. So I decided to get it finished. And it's, it's just a female warrior with war paint on her face. Yeah, we are going to put it in the cookbook just because it's, it's my favorite tattoo right now. Okay. But it's funny, your last tattoo is always your favorite tattoo.
0: <laughs> All right, but it looks like you still have a lot of room left for more tattoos.
1: I do, but I'm not going to... So my one, my one arm is one big sleeve. Mm-hmm. I got guai, uh, I got Gwaii masks on my chest. I got a Haida sun son on my calf. A dead elder on my hand with a headdress. And then the girl, but I'm not going to get another sleeve. I think I'm done. I think I'm I'm tapping out of, the, of all that now. <laughs> all
0: right. All right. So uh, I, I want to go back a little bit and uh, talk about, uh, you know, how you got started in in food. Uh, you know, where where do you think uh, it, it's going to lead you in the future? I know you, you've gone a lot of places so far, and uh, I don't know if you've yeah. reached your dreams yet, but how did you start? Where do you think you're going in the future? I think,
1: um, I think the future is extremely bright. I mean, when you think about it right now, I have my own restaurant. I've got a cookbook coming out. I've got, um, I'm doing a documentary series with the Black Rhino creative out of Vancouver. I've got a, a TV show deal in L.A. for Food Network, which I'm still waiting on the details for.
0: Wow.
1: Um, you know, so I think everything is looking bright. i just got to make sure I don't be focus on what the message is. The Indigenous Symposium of Food, that message... Has to be has to be very clear. All, on top of that, it can never be a fad. You know, it, it, this, it, the indigenous food is never it should, it should have always been recognized, and it was never meant to be a fad, and it isn't meant to be a fad or something cool like farm to table, nose to torque, all, all this bullshit is all, all things for, for people to promote their restaurant. So that's the thing is just knowing that the indigenous food world was always Canadian food in my humble opinion, right? Mm -hmm. So no one's ever taken it that way or thought about it like that. I believe that wholeheartedly, and that's where the message for me is always going to go. What made me get started on this was uh, about when I was 29 years old, I found out that I was from the Enoch Cree Nation, the Mascosic tribe, the, the, uh, the people of the land of medicines. So I was adopted. I was given up when I was three. I was in foster care. Until I was eight, I was adopted, and then I didn't know where where I was from. I didn't know what my what my um, background was or anything. Right, so I spent all those years not knowing who I was. And then 29 years old, I found out what nation I was from, and that was the Enoch Cree nation. From the tw- from when I was 29 years old, now I'm 43. I had to fast forward. I had to fast forward my culture and get to know it, get to know um, the spirituality and everything, and then figure out how I can, like, envelope and pull that into my food world, right? Because for me, I can't be better than than 10,000 other chefs in the world. So I don't want to wake up being a 40-year-old cook or a 40-year-old chef that that really hasn't made any messages, right? So I was addicted to the Japanese food scene. I thought about it, and I said, you know what? I don't get why we're not celebrating Indigenous food. Now, I got to work really, 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 really hard with elders and people to understand what that that picture looks like, and then I've got to make that my food somehow. So let me tell you, my payoff is happening now, but I've been working at it for 12 years, right?
0: Right, right. I also want to talk about um, uh, the the indigenous food movement I mean is there an indigenous food movement in Canada um, I've, I've asked this question uh, a little earlier and um, uh, you know that uh, I think it was uh, David Wolfman I know him yeah yeah but but you know they described another Canadian chef uh, he, he described it as like maybe it was parallel not really the same not really that different than uh, kind of what's going on here I mean down here we can call it you you know the native food movement, but what does it look like up there?
1: So it's be- it's becoming attractive, right? Like people are starting to understand, like what is indigenous, what is indigenous food, what mm-hmm. is the indigenous food world, what does that mean to us? So think about it this way: in every community up here, in most communities, you're always going to buy a reserve, right? Mm. Always. As time goes on, people want to know about the indigenous community, but they don't know how to get involved because they have to know protocol, right? So, because of, you know, I don't want to get into the social issues about, you know, truth, truth and reconciliation, adoption. Um, there's just so much issues that have happened in the indigenous community that it's hard to trust anybody, right? It's hard, to, it's hard to believe that someone's not going to exploit us or make fun of us or laugh at us, laugh at my regalia, laugh at the, the, that we have braids and earrings and stuff like that. Because 10 years ago, that's exactly what would happen. Now people are excited and wondering. You know, how can I get involved? How can I work with these nations? How can I work with you? So people are trying to find ways to work with me to help them understand the communities better. Now that's tricky, just because I'm ever aber- indigenous, doesn't mean that I know. First of all, a, I don't know about all communities, and b, this protocol to every other, to all the other, um, you know, treaties and bands out there. So, just I'm Plains Cree, but Mountain Cree aren't the same as the Plains Cree, and the Blackfoot's not the same as the Cree, and the Iroquois' not the same, and, and the Mohawk are not the same. So, it just was on and on and on and on. So, you've got to be able to, as an indigenous person, figure out how to get through that protocol and those orders, right? Like, I mean, I could go down to the Blood Tribe. I, I actually just did a documentary in the Blood Tribe, Southern Alberta. But, you know, there's protocol, man, and you've and you got to be very sensitive, and you've got to be very honest about that. So, for instance, when we're doing that documentary, we're forging. One of the photographers wanted to take a picture of us giving back the tobacco to the tree that we took from. We honor the tree because the tree gave us life. We honor the tree because it gave us what we wanted. But you don't take a picture of it. You don't take a picture of uh, giving an offering. Or you don't take a picture of my gene. You get what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So that's all protocol. and that's, that's the kind of stuff that we've got to break down. And I find that people are very excited about that world now more than ever. And I'm happy to help guide them. But even I don't know everything, right?
0: Mm-hmm. I know
1: a lot. I know a lot more than what other people know because I've had the opportunity and luxury to travel to so many nations. But, you know, there's a, that's a big, 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 big world.
0: This will probably be one of my last questions here. Y- you are like a wine expert. Uh, how do you pronounce it? Som- sommelier? Sommelier? Sommelier. Oh no
1: no no I'm not a, I enjoy drinking wine, but I don't I don't know wine as much as a sommelier may know. Um okay. I took my level 1 sommelier ISG. Other than oh, that? Level I, one. I just drink wine is my favorite, so. Okay. Uh, okay. You know, it's something that I enjoy Because I don't drink hard liquor. I don't, you know, none of that sits with me very well. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of, that's just my jam. Yeah.
0: All right. So, um, uh, yeah, when, when I when I saw, you know, level one so, so, Smollier, yeah. Smollier uh, atta- attached to your name, um, I wanted to ask you, um, like for a non-wine drinker, I've probably only had half a sip of wine in my whole life. Um, what would you suggest I start out with? Because I went to a, a, a winery a while ago, no. at, like two weeks no. ago, and I had no idea what to drink. So I just drank water. What would you okay, suggest?
1: So this, is, so this is what you do. Okay. Th- this is what I did, okay? But what I, do, what I did would really not necessarily be for everybody, okay. but it was the best start for me. Because I'm not going to lie to you, when I was 25 years old, I hated wine. I drank it, and I'm like, it's is garbage. It
0: sucks, <laughs> I don't
1: understand yeah. the, the fluctuation and this and that. So when I was about 27, 28, I said, I've got to know my wine, man, because I'm going to be doing wine dinners and this and that, and if I don't know anything about it, I'm, it's not going to do me any good. Okay. So I was about twenty-eight, twenty-nine. I made myself drink it, and I made myself like it. So what I did is I started with sweet wines like Riesling, Draminer, Champagne, and Prosecco. Oh, okay. So those are the those are about the five where I started because it tastes like juice, mm, right? Okay. So it's nice and light. And with on a really hot day, I still will drink those those really nice juicy wines. And then you kind of move into into other wines, so you can go and spill into, go into your Pinot Gris, Pinot Grigios, which are a little bit juicy but dry dry on the end
0: okay
1: and then you're going to get into like chardonnays that are really really woody and really oaked and really dry they're going to have a lot more structure and a lot more excitement to them and then when you get to your reds you know it's going to be rosé is in between but then you know um before you get to the big deep cabernet francs or cabernet Sauvignons, you're going to start with lighter wine lighter red wine so the way to do that is literally wherever you're buying wine just say, I would like to start with a nice, juicy, refreshing red wine. Mm-hmm. And then you'll notice how far you'll go. Okay. So that's kind of a good way of starting out.
0: Okay, okay. The juicier, There's some people that don't even wine. like,
1: yeah, some people think they like, you think that they would like red. <laughs> or that most people like white wine, most people. Okay. But some people actually start drinking red and never go back to white.
0: Okay. Okay. I think I started off straight with some kind of red. That was about $4, yeah. um, you know, at this, at this supermarket. So uh, I think sure. that was kind of a mistake that just kind of, you know, turned me off completely. And I never, ever went back. And that was like, you know, four years ago.
1: Yeah. And you know what? The thing is with wine too, if someone teaches you, if you go to a wine class and you start learning about it, mm-hmm. you actually start to understand it way more. Mm-hmm. Because I'll give you a small example. So when someone says, this wine has notes of licorice, right? Okay. I get licorice in this. I get, It's a nice dark red wine. I get licorice. So, okay, that's nice that you get licorice. But what's the, what's the next step? What kind of licorice? Are you talking about black licorice? Are you talking about star anise? Are you talking mm. about roasted star anise?
0: So, mm.
1: so then your mind starts thinking, wow, you're right. This isn't just black licorice. This is roasted. I'm getting roasted. Star eat. Hmm. You get what I'm saying?
0: Right, right. Yeah, I, I kind of so, do the same yeah. with beer.
1: Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> that's kind of how it works.
0: That was Shane medrick Chartrand, enoch Khrishev. Keep an eye on him and his work by following him on social media. You can also visit RiverCreeResort.com for more information about SC Restaurant. I'm Andy Murphy, this is Toasted Sister, and I've been working on an awesome project. I'm ready to let everyone know about it pretty soon, so follow Toasted Sister on social media so you don't miss it.